Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you'll lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, we, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days, there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Hello. And good day to you wherever you may be and whenever you may be listening to this particular podcast. My name is Tom Richardson. I am the host of the Removing Confusion podcast, and that's where you've landed today. And it is January the 17th, as far as I can recollect. And folks, let me say this. I've been away from the microphone a bit more than I'd like to this winter. There's been, you know, personal things and professional things as well as I'm uh, constantly trying to upgrade myself a little bit with some college courses that I can take to further my education in the realm of the Bible and other things as well. But let's uh, get right into what, what we're going to do today. I was watching a video by a guy on YouTube who's got a pretty big presence, actually. His name is Jason A. I forget what his last name really is now, but that's what his, his uh, YouTube 
channel is, you know, Jason A. And he's always done very good, you know, videos. Uh, a lot of them are something biblical is going on, you know, and, and other stuff like that that catches the eye of those of us who believe in Christ. Now, is he a believer? I, I think he probably is. I, I don't know. I've never spoken to him. I've never heard him in an interview, but that doesn't make any difference at this point for the discussion of the day. What he did was, uh, and what he did was he put up a, a pretty lengthy clip. I think it was four or five minutes long of the Joe Rogan show. Now, those of you who don't know who Joe Rogan is, he is one of the premier podcasters of our time. He probably gets, you know, a million views per day uh, whenever he goes on. He's very popular. He's he's engaging. Uh, he uses a lot more language than I would like to hear him use, but, you know, that's the way some guys operate. Joe is uh, a middle-of-the-road kind of guy uh, as far as, you know, uh, politics, I think, and a lot of other things as well. But what what uh what was funny in a humorous yet weird sense to me is Joe and his cohort, I don't know what his name is. He'd be like the stew of uh Glenn Beck his uh co-host, I guess. They were sitting there and he said, wow, man, I found this the other day, and I, it, it's a prophecy from 1965. And while they played it, they, they, they were like in awe of what was going on here. And most of us, if you're my age of 63 or so, uh, we've heard this thing before, uh, and I'm going to play it. Because I, you know, as I sat there and listened to it, even with their their commentary that they gave on it, which was a little bit colorful, let's put it that way, I still heard things there that I think I forgot were in this self fulfilling, not self fulfilling. What do you want to call it? A, it's a prophecy of of some magnitude. Uh, is it biblical? It's based biblical. I think, but the man that did it was a guy by the name of Paul Harvey. And I think, you know, where I'm headed now, he did this, uh, little segment on his show many, many years ago. Like I said, it was 1965 and it was called if I were the devil. Now I know don't turn me off. (laughs) I want us to listen to this. Now we're, I'm going to play it all the way through. Uh, it's like three minutes long. I'll play it all the way through, and then I, I really, I'm, I'm shocked at some of the stuff that, that I heard that, I, that I've never really caught before. And we'll come back, and we will look through little bits and pieces as it goes. If I were the devil, if I were the devil... If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. 
and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. There you have it. Now, while, while the uh, guys on the Rogan show were playing this clip, and you can go and find it. I'm, I don't have the uh, web address on YouTube for that Jason Jason A. And that's all you got, J-A-S-O-N-A. You'll find his channel, and it's not that old of a clip that he did on this one. So you can find it and, and watch it, and you can watch Rogan and his uh, cohort yeah, they're they're like in awe of this thing. That's like they've never heard it before. But men who are, uh, you know, pretty ste- steeped in the world, I would say, are sitting there in in just complete, you know, awe, uh, flabbergastery of how accurate 
this, you know, 50-something-year-old, uh, oh, is it 50, 58 years old, 59 now, close to, uh, prophecy is. Now, some of this that, that Paul, Paul Harvey came up with, uh, I, and he was a pretty brilliant guy, I think. I, I remember as a kid here, and that's, I'm Paul Harvey, good day. You know, that's the rest of the story. You know, he'd always have that that catch line that you would hear. Uh, I will, uh, as as I as I steered you towards that particular video or that podcast to uh, to see it, I, I warn you, there is some language that Rogan uses that I will not use. <laughs> Thank God. Anyway. There's some things in this that really kind of hit me, and I may take a couple of days uh, dis- dissecting this thing. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and uh, the video. There's a video as well uh, that I pulled this uh, down from on YouTube called "You Know Paul Harvey If I Were the Devil," and. They, the uh, as you can tell, I apologize for the sound quality. It's the best it gets, you know, from a fifty-eight-year-old uh, audio clip. But what you can do is, as it's playing, uh, some in, ingenue, it, it, ingenious little fellows got together and typed the wording. All it's all in there. the The script is there for you to see, and that's where it kind of impacted me. Is sometimes when you hear things. You just, you know, you hear it, of course, but you retain it as much when you hear it and see it at the same time. And I'm sitting there myself looking at, looking at the video as I, as I downloaded it for, for this purpose today. And I'm like, I never really caught these things before. And Mr. Harvey was onto something that I think most people who sit in the pews of a church every Sunday uh, don't even realize it's happening around them. He said, if I were the devil, first I'd subvert the churches. Let me tell you something. You know, churches, that's a broad statement. There are Christian churches. There are uh, some uh, just called cults that are out there, the Mormons, the JWs, to some degree, the RMC. Uh, but there are, they, what what most of them, and I say most in, in some way, promote is, you know, a, a decent lifestyle. Now, I'm not saying all the way across the board. I'm just saying churches as a whole. When you see the word church, you think religion. Uh, and religion always comes with it a connotation of doing good. Whether it, it be the ones who impress upon you to go and do good works, because that's how you'll gain your salvation, which you cannot. Or the ones that, like I promote that say do good works because you're saved you know you've been 
You've been granted salvation and eternal life by the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father except through him. He said it. I believe it. It's written. It won't be argued. Once, once he has come to live within you in the, in the person of the Holy Spirit, a change takes place in you, in me, where we want to do what is right. We will slip and fall now and again, but we want to do what is right. We strive to do what is right. We have become a new creature in Christ. That's what Paul, the apostle, wrote. All things have been made new. The old ways are gone. Now, do the old ways come back? Yes. Jesus, uh, in my studies of late, and I've been uh, teaching on John chapter 5 here late, Jesus met up with the paralytic man in John 5, and he looked at him and said, Wilt thou be healed? It's King James says, wilt thou be healed? And, and the man, yeah, I can't be. I can't get to the pool. They believed that if they got to this pool of water when the water rippled or was troubled by, an, they say, an angel of God, they would be healed. Whoever was the first one in would be made whole. And this man could not get there because of his cripple or his uh, handicap condition, and no one was there to help him. So Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. Rise up, pick up, and walk. And he did. Of course, you know, a lot of things happened after that. The Jews got mad at him because it was the Sabbath, and he told this man to carry something, and you you weren't allowed to carry anything. I just learned today there's like 38 things that you weren't allowed to do on the Sabbath and the 38th of them was you weren't allowed to carry your bed anywhere. So this guy got nailed right off the bat. Was Jesus, he was, was he testing their law? Uh, was he trying to, you know, subvert it or whatever? No, he knew that their law wasn't really the law of Moses. But he later met up with this man. He said, he told him, now you've been made whole go and sin no more don't go back to where you came from and you know the the common ideal idea behind this is that this man was uh sickened because of sin and sin can do it to the point where he could not walk and jesus healed him so anyway we look at these things and we say when we come to face to face with christ he he picks us up he gets us out of our perversions he takes us away from the things that we used to enjoy that we look at them now and we're like i really don't get into that i don't want to go drinking i don't want to go smoking pot or anything else as far as that goes but yeah just it's like you know the indwelling changes you so when we think of churches getting back to mr harvey when we think of churches we think of places that do good things with people in them that do good things 
I believe the church is the body of Christ, of course. But let's just look at how he said it. He, he nailed this thing when he said, I would whisper to the churches. This is the devil, Hasatan, the adversary of our, of our soul. I would whisper to the churches, do as you please. There is a very wide swath of Christianity today that says, do what you please. You know, you've made a confession for Christ. You have stepped forward publicly in some manner or way and said the prayer of salvation. You've made the decision but now it's okay because you, you're a child of God. Go do what you wish. That's not the Bible. The Bible tells us over and over again that men like, you know, Noah, let's just start there. <laughs> Noah walked with God. Enoch walked with God. John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, we ought to walk as he walked. Paul tells us, I believe it's Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, that we should follow him. And a better translation, I believe, is be ye imitators of God. Not men. Now, Paul said at one point or another, you could it be an imitator of me as I am an imitator of Christ. So if you're following me, if you're listening to me, Paul says, then that's okay because I guarantee you I'm following Christ. I cannot, I cannot unhinge myself from Jesus Christ. The true salvation message and the true, uh, I'm sorry, the truth, the true salvific portion when someone gets it, 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 it buries itself deep within them to the point where they understand just how horrible the sins that they committed against God all of their lives up to that point. They, run, they understand just how devastating they were. Any sin is that way with God. You, got, you know, it says in, in uh, I, and don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't have it in front of me here, but I know it's Psalm 51, and I think it's either uh, verse 4 or verse 6. It says, against thee and against thee only have I sinned. David telling God. Now, he'd done horrible things. He'd had a man killed. He'd, he'd impregnated the man's wife. He'd committed adultery and fornication and all sorts of, he lied he 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 uh, we call it conspired in the man's death, and he realized just how bad he had been. But he hadn't sinned against you know Uriah or Bathsheba or the young baby that died. He had sinned against God. We need to look at sin just like that. It's not what I've done against my wife or my friends or my church or what it's against God. But the devil in Mr. Harvey's dissertation 
is going to come in and tell you, hey, do what you want. Do what you want. Back in Genesis chapter 3, the next point I kind of hit here was, you know, tell the kids, you know, get into their heads and tell them man really created God. This whole Bible thing, it's man, it's written by men. Well, you know, it was, but it was written by men who were inspired by God. The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament worked different than he does in the New, where the Holy Spirit comes to live within the believers. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit kind of operated upon them, I guess. But still, the words were inspired by God. And that's very important to understand. Very important. That when you read it, I mean, again, you're reading an English translation of Hebrew or Greek. And things do get mixed as they go across, I I would say, to be very kind. But the premise of things is still there. You're not gonna you're not gonna go wrong if you follow scripture. And then you're gonna have the folks come along and tell you if you use any other version except my version, then you're using a perversion and they're dead wrong. The Jack Hiles cult that's where a lot of this started in the uh Baptist circles was King James onlyists. And they would actually say you couldn't be saved if you were saved by this new American standard I have open on my desk. If somebody used that Bible to walk you through salvation, you weren't saved. And I say to them, okay, how did everybody from 1610 backwards get saved? Oops, got an answer for that? Can you get around that? Because it becomes this ritualistic and, uh, yeah, that's a good enough word, traditional, traditions of men to jump to a certain thing and say, well, it's been good enough for everybody else. Okay, whatever. I don't care what you use. I don't like certain versions of the Bible myself. I'm not a big fan of the NIV, but I know a lot of people that use it. Are they unsaved? I believe they're as saved as anybody else. Or the NASB, or the New Living Translation. Uh, I had a guy that I corresponded with several times before he passed away by the name of Dr. Michael Heiser. I would tell you if you want your mind blown to go watch some of his videos on the YouTube. This man was a scholar of ancient languages. You don't need to know all that stuff, but as you become more of a person who's interested in what the Bible has to say and how did it get there, what does it really mean? Because there's things that stymie us when we read them. He's a good guy to go to. And the world is a darker place, as we say, for him not being here. 
Man created God. That's what the devil will whisper to the children and get them to all just fall in line with that. That's, that starts clear back in Genesis chapter 3. You can be as gods. The, the serpent, Nakash, he takes away all the uh, attributes of God, saying God is just trying to hold back from you. He, he knows that you can be just like him. You can be like little gods. You can know things that only God knows. If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I've said this before, and I'll stand by it as well. There are things I wish I never knew. There There are jokes I wish I'd never heard. There are perversions I wish I've never seen. And I say that from the bottom of my heart. I, I wish some of these things had never crossed my path. But at that day, when the, when, the, when, when the serpent showed up and perverted our ancestors, all these things became available. You know, it opened up Pandora's box, as they say, and that's a that's a mythical thing, but we've all heard that. And all the filth of hell flew out of it. And it was there for the taking. I wish I'd never seen some of the things, heard, watched, or participated in. There are things that are purely evil in our society, in our world. There's things that are good. God is good. His word is good. The things that try to subvert you away from that, as Mr. Harvey used, that terminology with the church, I'd subvert the churches. That has happened. Look at some of the churches that call themselves churches that promote things like Drag Queen Day and have lesbians standing in pulpits. They call it a church. I do not. It's a name given to an assembly, but it is not a God-inspired church. If you would go to a place in Scripture with me, which is Proverbs 16 and 17, we'll look at a couple of verses there that are kind of interesting to me as I was playing around with the Paul Harvey deal. And we're going to touch on some other things here. I think i got time. Yeah. But there's, this is deep. This thing is so deep when you start getting into it and, re- and looking at it, you're like, wow, I, I just, you know, you, you let things go in the old ears and, and out. And I wished I wouldn't have. I wish I'd been listening closer years ago. For, uh, chapter 16 of Proverbs, verse number 18, is a well-known verse. Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty, haughty, haughty spirit before stumbling or before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. Pride is at the is at the very core 
<coughs> excuse me, of almost every sin that's out there. There's the pride. Usually it's, you know, you get yourself so puffed up, I can do this and I can get away with it. Nothing can stop me now. So let's go ahead and do it. And then you trip over it. You trip over it. It takes you down. That's what pride does. It puffs you up to the point where you feel like you're in charge of everything. And then you're ripped down to the ground. Let's look at a couple more. Uh, chapter 16 again, verse 25. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We think we have it all figured out. You know, we don't need God is what comes to man's mind, and that's, that's the fallen nature of man. I don't need God. I'm going to jump out here and do this all on my own. I'm not going to, you know, I, I know, I've seen preachers do this. Can, you know, get a message, wrap it around one verse, and then go off on a rabbit trail that lasts for another 35, 45 minutes. And you're like, what, what was he even talking about? Well, I don't even remember the Bible verse. I wish he had put it in the bulletin so I could go back and read it. Expository preaching just blows that away. Taking books of the Bible, chapters of the Bible, and just working through them. You can't, when you do it's true expository going verse by verse by verse. You, you, you can't jump over the ones that you don't like. They're there staring you in the face no matter what. And you just have to accept them. That was my trackpad <laughs> making a little noise. Verse 28 of the same chapter Chapter 16 of Proverbs. A perverse man spreads strife, and a slanderer separates intimate friends. People will do that's that all that gossip. Let's gossip about everything. Gossiping hurts someone. It's not a victimless crime. The person that you're tearing apart is going to get wind of what you've had to say of them. And that's going to hurt them. That's going to hurt them. And it could hurt friendships along the way. And that is a perverse man or person. Spreads strife. Are you perverse? Are you pervert? Are you trying to cause trouble just because it makes you feel good? And then we'll look at another one in the next chapter, 17 of Proverbs, Proverbs 17, verse 4. An evildoer listens to a wicked lip. To, I'm sorry. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. 
a liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Again, the tongue, gossiping, lying, perverting, subverting, as Mr. Harvey, I keep wanting to call him Dr. Harvey because this is almost like a doctoral thesis to me. Now, the first thing that he said, if you know, and he's, he's dead on, I don't know how much thinking he put into this thing when he did it. If I were the devil, I'd subvert the churches. Whisper to the churches, not yell at them, not get up there and say, you just do it. No. Whisper to the churches, do what you will. There was a guy back in the, way back, died in 47 by the name of Aleister Crowley. Aleister Crowley, he was an English pervert, devil worshiper. Some people called him the beast. They thought he was going to be the beast of the, uh, of the abyss, the Antichrist. Well, he was to a certain degree, of course. But the beast, Mr. Crowley, wrote a book, and in the book he, he, he tried to pervert anything Christian. He, 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 he uh, did a lot of things with kids that was horrible. Uh, but anyway, his idiom was, do what thou wilt. And you can see this as you go into the rock and roll music of the 60s, and, and you know there, there's this thread, and some of the people even use that terminology, do what you want, do what you will, get, do your own thing, you know, that whole thing. The devil, you know, he's already got that. It didn't take long for him to get into that segment, but he's worked hard at the church to get the church to agree that once saved, always saved. You're, you can do what you want. You can't fall from God's grace once you're in it. The Bible tells me something different. There will be a great falling away, an apostasy. Second Thessalonians chapter two. There's a uh, if you go through the two chapters that we were just looking at in Proverbs, and there's more. Trust me, the Bible's full of this paralleling of good and evil. These Proverbs, as you go through, it's almost every one of them in, in sixteen and seventeen. It's a parallel of good and evil, or at least it shows if you do this evil thing, this is what will happen. And it's uh, disconcerting. Let's go on, Mr. Harvey. If I were the devil, I'd have families at war, churches at war, and nations at war. Now, you know, you could just say, well, that's like Matthew 24, you know. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. But this is different, and I never caught this. And this is the thing that, that really kind of sets me aback, and I think we should settle on this for just a little while and maybe run the rest of today out. I would have families at war with themselves. Not like the Hatfields and the McCoys. Two separate families fighting each other. One family fighting itself. I would have churches at war 
with themselves. Now, we can look at this in a couple of different ways. That church that splits because of some strife in the pews. A lot of churches today are family run or at least family uh, in attendance. A lot of it's families that it's just big families, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, parents, a whole nine yard, whatever. It's a big family thing. And you'll have two or three separate families in this group. And, you know, you can tell they kind of congregate to themselves. And, you know, there's there's always going to be the outliers, usually me and my wife will be the outliers. We're not we're not part of the family of anybody. We, you know, we, you know we're, we're the new 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 kids on the block or whatever. But, you know, you try to get along with everybody. But all it takes is this division within a family to break that family up. And that's what his first was. Families will be at war with themselves. The devil likes to get in there and get families at war with themselves. If he can tear apart the family, then he can tear apart the church. If he can tear apart the church, the nation will fall. I want you to really think about that as you ponder some of the things I've brought up today. That the the amount of divorce and you look, I know there's a, I have a lot most a lot of my friends are, but I don't, and I I don't paint anybody with a, a red paintbrush and say, oh you're lost or right whatever. People get stupid about it. Uh, but what I do want to say is the devil is not God that breaks up families. It, it just can't be. Now, here is a, 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 what Jesus said was, you know, I came not to, uh, you know, I came, I, I brought a sword where, you know, there will be a division in families, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter-in-law, the whole nine yards. You know that if you want to look that up, you can do that. Jesus did say, I bring division. But division because he brought the truth, and certain people still cannot accept truth. They cannot accept truth. The truth that he is the son of God. The truth that he rose from the dead. The truth that he came via a virgin. These are truths that you can't sidestep and still be a Christian. You can't say, well, I kids can't believe that. No, you can't do You have to believe it. And some people just can't. They can't believe in miracles. They can't believe in the uh, things that, are well miraculous Jesus in Luke chapter 9 said this about a perverse generation he said 
Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and, and suffer you? They wanted him to heal a boy. And it's like, you need signs. What do you, why do you constantly need me to do something to prove myself to you? And Jesus doesn't have to do anything to prove himself to anyone. Philippians 2.15, you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. My friends, that's where we're at. This nation that we live in, the United States, for most of us, and, and I'll tell you what, if you're listening from other places, you, you know as well as we do here that wherever you are perversion has made its way in the subversion and the whispering of the devil to break up families to break up churches to uh tear doctrine apart to the point where people this now just do whatever i feel like because it's okay god says it's all right god does not say that God is still looking for people, his people, those who believe in Christ. He's looking for us to be lights in this world because the world is dark. I believe that's how Paul Harvey started out, wasn't it? That it's a dark world. He said, if I were the devil, I'd, I'd make it darker. And each step along the way, that's what happens in that prophecy that Mr. Harvey did. Things got a little bit worse and worse because the devil figured out this is what I need to go after. I am going to go after that church uh, or that set of churches or that doctrinal belief within them and I'm going to rip it down. I'm going to I'm going to get them so that they don't believe they need to follow God. That they'll make a god of their own, a one of their own making, just like they did back in in um Abraham's day or Jacob's day. And even after that way up all the way through the old into the new testament, people were creating their own gods and and they would bow down to them and and you know they they would carve them out of stone and wood now they weren't they these weren't stupid people they knew that they had to uh do certain rituals of whatever to get the god the devil basically to go into that idol and people are still doing it today because they've created a God in their own image, in their own likeness, in what they believe the God of heaven should really be like so that they can accept him. They want this easy God that says, do what you want. But God never said that. He said, follow me and do my commandments. Follow, following my law will make you feel better. Even that, 
Now, that is the subversion that I believe has come into the church, families, nations. They're at war with themselves. Our nation, the United States, is at war with itself. We have a civil war going on. We just haven't pulled the guns out and started shooting at each other like they did in 1860. But it's already started. There are people in higher positions, and they're they're actually in lower ones as far as I'm concerned. They're serving Satan. But they're in higher positions of our uh, media, our government, that are trying to turn people against each other. And they're very, very good at it. To a great degree, they have done just that. They have done just that. And this nation, like many others, is at war with itself. It's ideological. It's, it's uh, religious. It's skin color. All these things have been used to uh, sexual preferences, genders, and all that kind of mess. LGBT, whoever. All that stuff is being used to fuel a war. Whether it be ideological or if it breaks out in all, you know, total warfare, as they used to say about like World War One and Two. Pray it never gets that far. That'll be it for today. Well, that'll be good enough for today. Until the next time when we can come together, I pray that we can just uh, hold your head up. It's 2024. It's a new year. It's a, as some people say, it's a new day. So let's try to just make the best of it as we can and, and just muddle through where we can until we meet again. It's Tom Richard, Removing Confusion, the 16th of January, 2024. Thank you.